1: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
2: What's up saucer heads? Before we get to this week's interview, it's time to thank all our new patrons for supporting the show. My utmost gratitude goes out to Andrew W., Casey O., Mitchell L., Will Y., Brian, Del H., Jack C., Gary E., Herman F., Tyler L., Amy B., Sequoia C., Adam N., Cam G., Bob C., Richard P., Les, Yoska T., Shannon L., Travis A., Guillaume R., Matthew W., Sean M., Jason O., Alexa R, Bud N, The Phalanx Group, Wendy J, Ryan S, Melanie W, and David H. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show. The podcast is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So every penny you give goes back into the show. So if you'd like to help Somewhere the Skies on a monthly basis and get plenty of bonus material, early editions of the weekly show, and even the opportunity to pick the topics and guests on the show, be sure to check out our Patreon page to learn more. That's patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Today on the show, futurist, filmmaker, and consciousness researcher, Caroline
1: Cory
3: They would train soldiers to use their consciousness and tap into, you know, what was happening in Russia and spy on what was going on, where the missiles are, maybe look at some documents, all remotely. And this program ran for 20 years, Ryan, thousands, you know, millions of dollars. So you would think if it's not working, why would the government be doing that? In fact, quite quite a few policies were affected from that sort of intelligence that they were able to get.
0: This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan spread.
2: Hi, guys. Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. And today we're going to be covering something that we've never really touched on in the entire history of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, and that's consciousness. And I don't know about you, but a lot of the UFO research I've been looking into lately has been diving a lot more into that realm of study, consciousness. And with us today is someone who I consider an an expert in this field right now, studying consciousness and that's Caroline Corey and we're going to be talking all about her new film Superhuman The Invisible Made Visible. So right now I want to welcome to the show for the very first time Caroline Corey. Caroline, how are you doing?
3: Hey Ryan, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, I've uh, I've seen you around, I guess is a good way to put it. We've been at several alien con events and uh I always love to look at uh what you're going to be talking about because it was stuff you don't usually see at UFO conferences a lot. So what, what is that like sort of being um, now intertwined in the entire UFO world?
3: Yeah, so my background is more about the study of consciousness because mm-hmm. when I was very, very young, even at the age of five, I had experiences, what in ufology you would call experiencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would come in contact with beings and communicate and things like that. But that got me to ask the questions like, how, what just happened? <laughs> and, and how did it happen? And how it's possible for someone to communicate telepathically spontaneously so as I was asking these questions I realized I was studying consciousness the mechanics of consciousness Mm -hmm. so for 20 years um, I started to research how it works how it all connects um, how we are all connected and I developed methodology to kind of understand how all of this works.
2: Okay. Okay. Let's see. And again, this is like a whole new world that I'm sort of tapping into now and that your film really introduced me to. And, and that was also the, the abilities that you talk about. Um, you know, psi phenomena and, uh, psychokinetics, telekinesis, things that, you know, we see in the movies, but we're like, that, you know, that's never, that's not us. That's just not what humans are, are made of. But, I'm seeing in your film that that's clearly not the case. So could you maybe for our audience who's not familiar kind of describe what psi phenomena is and um yeah how we even begin to uh to tap into that I guess.
3: Yeah, it's the area that we call parapsychology, which is basically the study of psi phenomena or psychic phenomena. So anything that is beyond the normal five senses that we know. And so, uh, for example, intuition, um, precognition. Um Remote viewing, clairvoyance. all of these are abilities that are not attributed to our five human senses, because you're seeing things that aren't physically there, or you are receiving information that you're not reading and things like that. So so these are abilities that are, to me, you know, obviously working in the field for so long, are second nature to us, but because they're outside the five senses, we call it parapsychology. And you know. Um There's a misconception that it's, it's kind of a pseudoscience. That's actually not true. This is just a perception, uh, from, you know, society that if you don't understand it, if it's not there, if you can't measure it, then it's not real science. But that's not true. Actually, there are quite a few scientists, even in the 1800s, they started to study Um, how consciousness works, the effect of consciousness on physical matter, physical object, telekinesis, all of that. So it's actually quite scientific. It's just not commonly understood that way.
2: Right, right. And I know in the beginning of your film, you covered something that uh, I found very fascinating, and that was government involvement in a lot of this. I mean, the United States... Uh, Russia, could you maybe give us a little history of how our own governments and scientists uh, have been looking at these things, and are they still doing
3: it today? Actually, it was the Russians. They, the started, Russians, okay. yeah, they started this whole field of training soldiers to basically spy on the U.S. government and probably other governments. And Mm -hmm. so at one point, the U.S. intelligence, of course, found out about it. And they said, wait a minute, if they're doing this, we should be doing this. (laughs) And so they started this program that is called the the Stargate program. That's quite well documented. And of course, now it's declassified. That's why we know about it. That's why There are so many people actually from the program who are teaching it. And basically, it was they would train soldiers to use their consciousness and tap into, you know, what was happening in Russia and spy on what was going on, where the missiles are, maybe look at some documents, all remotely, and this program ran for 20 years, Ryan, with thousands, of you know, millions of dollars. So you would think if it's not working, why would the government be doing that? So right. it was very much real. In fact, qu- quite a few policies were affected from that sort of intelligence that they were able to get.
2: And I know, you know, a lot of these people who looked at it in the United States, someone like uh, Dr. Hal Putoff. Uh, This gentleman is now working with To The Stars Academy, this very well-known vocal UFO group here. So that's really interesting that the person who worked for the government on a remote viewing project is now working you know for a ufo group so it's all somehow connected i have no doubt
3: absolutely i mean i think ufology is totally connected to this because how there are so many people who are experiencers meaning they're coming in communication coming in contact with extraterrestrial life uh you can see also some ufos other people can't see them so there you know there's like ways to tap into these other realities. It's totally connected to ufology, I think, and extraterrestrial life for sure.
2: The thing I'm sort of looking at in my own research right now is a lot of the the early work of people like uh Dr. Jacques Vallée, yes. who, you know, for many decades tried to study the the more heady aspects of UFOs and um the possibility, like you mentioned, of um perception being altered during A UFO event. I remember speaking to a mother and daughter who were staring at the same triangular shaped UFO, yet having completely different perceptions of what they were seeing. The mother said that it was uh, euphoric and peaceful and she felt calm and uh, the UFO was silent. And then she looked over at her daughter who was on the ground covering her ears and saying how loud it was. So, I mean, that that blew my mind when I first heard about that. So, yeah, I do think you're right. I think there's some sort of connection. And a lot of what you're, you explored in the film are uh, actual science to this yes. experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to say it. It's another to do it. And uh, you were boots on the ground throughout this entire mm-hmm. film, um, really putting yourself in the middle of these experiments. And one of the first people I was really surprised to see was Dr. Uh, Dean Radin. So Mm. what was it like working with him? He's a pretty heavy hitter in the UFO field as well. So yeah.
3: Really? I didn't know that. (laughs) Well, you know, Dean has been in the field of parapsychology for years. He Mm. is the um, chief scientist at IONS, which is uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is the study of consciousness. And so his thing is also not just theories, but to conduct experiments. He's got a lab, and I've worked with him before. Before this, uh, this documentary, and so of course I had to invite him in because he is just so knowledgeable. And also, you know, he's also a skeptic. Like he doesn't right. just right away think, "Oh, there's something interesting here." He's like first is like, "Well, let me just make sure there's something going on here," and so that's why I like about. Uh, that's what I like about him because yeah. he's so you know, so good. And so, um, I mean, and he's got so much experience in the field. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw him on the screen, I was like, okay, I like where this is going. Um, well, the, the term that came up a lot in the film, Caroline was uh fundamental consciousness. Mm -hmm. No, um, this is something I'm still trying to grasp and understand, you know, the physical world versus consciousness. So, um, What does this term fundamental consciousness really mean to you, I guess, in uh, presenting it to us?
3: To me and also to the scientists, when they use the term fundamental, we are talking about a substance uh, that exists, that permeates all of life, all of existence. And so so that's actually how you can define consciousness as an energy or a substance that if there is a before and after, it it would come before physical matter. So it's almost like consciousness is fundamental. It's at the base of everything. And from that emerges the physical world. Or it's not two separate things. where, okay, here we are a physical body and a consciousness is inhabiting the body. It's one end of the spectrum to the other, but it's the same spectrum. The other side is, is physical reality, but it's all merged and interconnected. So, okay. so when you look at reality, you see the physical world, but through it is all of consciousness. And that's how we're all connected. It's everywhere.
2: Right, right. Okay. So this is sort of this, uh, I guess, concept of like quantum entanglement. Am I right? Where Correct. We're yeah. We're kind of all connected to some main source. What that is, we might never know, but it's there. And that's what the invisible might be, Right.
3: Exactly. So, so you still have, as consciousness exists through your body, so you're still, you're still a unit of consciousness, you still have your identity, otherwise, then there wouldn't be any difference, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we're still individual units of consciousness, but all part of a larger consciousness, which is, I call source, other people call it the system or whatever they want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so because we are pretty much of the same nature, we're all plugged into the same source. So if we are, then we are receiving the same information. It's just being interpreted by us subjectively. That's why you, you were saying, the mother and daughter. We all are looking at the same thing, but we are having subjective experiences.
2: And that that actually brings me to one of the experiments he did in the film uh i'm a big fan of ben hansen former fbi agent um i've worked with him on several projects as well and it was so cool to see him in your film uh doing a um an experiment with someone who surprised the heck out of me carol <laughs> i i haven't i haven't like thought about this guy for years until i saw him pop up in your film and i was so excited um so yeah could you tell us who your guest was when you did this experiment and what this experiment was all about, ITC. This is another really interesting part of consciousness and communication. So yeah, if you could just kind of run us through that experiment.
3: Uh, So the mystery guest is Corey Feldman. And so when I did this film, Ryan, you know, I did not want to showcase just a group of people who are so talented or so skilled that you would look at them and say, well, of course they can move objects with their mind. They could do this, but I can't, you know, because they've trained in meditation. What I wanted to do is, is show different kinds of people, different ages from all over the world, random folks. And also I was like, well, why can't we invite a few recognizable names, if you will, just to, to make it relatable for people to go, oh, that's interesting. Let me check out this film because my favorite actor's in it or something. Mm-hmm. So, so it wasn't, that's how the idea came about. And, you know, through, speaking to casting directors, he, his name popped up. We, you know, we connected and he's a great guy, actually. And I said, yeah. you have got to do this film. And he loved it. So, and he yeah. was quite
2: skeptical, too, I, you know, in the film, which is good, too. You know, you don't have this preconceived notion that this is going to work or um, you're bringing all of this uh, baggage, as it were, with belief into it. So when, uh, when you did the experiment and uh, you saw the look on Corey Feldman's face, I was pretty... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, pretty vindicating, I would say.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so that experiment with Ben Hansen, who's, I mean, this uh, he's known in the world of ufology. He had all kinds of devices, all kinds of uh, tools and things to measure the paranormal, what we call the paranormal. But the way this fits in the film is that we are surrounded by this invisible field And yet, information travels from point A to point B, so we're not crazy when we hear something uh, out of nowhere. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this experiment. So basically, we asked Corey to record his voice on one tape recorder, and then we played it on another tape recorder that wasn't plugged in. So the idea was that the, the information, the voice, traveled from one recorder to the other through an induction coil, basically through an electromagnetic field, which tells us voices, sounds, information is traveling through the electromagnetic field and getting to us, even though we think, oh, wait, the device wasn't even plugged in it doesn't uh, even matter.
2: Yeah, and you know, I've um I've been speaking to several paranormal researchers and ufologists who are both now using this technology and this approach of ITC um to to do that, to try to communicate with uh whether it's a ghost or an an alien. I mean, we know the guy who first created this sort of technique was trying to communicate with ghosts but instead got an alien. So that to me shows there's got to be some sort of, like you say, uh, entanglement or um, uh, string theory between all these phenomena. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I do think somehow they're all connected.
3: Entanglement has been proven scientifically. This is not something, it's not a made up theory that is so weird, I mean, anymore. So quantum entanglement basically tells us that a particle that's over here shares property with another particle that's completely separated in space, even between two stars. So how does that work? Instantaneously. So how does that work? It works because it, they're all part, we're all part of the same field and information travels because it's all Connected, entangled together. So that explains, like you're saying, you know, receiving messages from the deceased, but also an extraterrestrial that's passing by, or any sort of intelligence on the other side of the veil. So that's what was uh, the experiment was about. And of course, Corey was astonished. He astonished. He was like, "Wait, I recorded it here, and it just showed up there." So it was just so fun working with him on that.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, just to see the look on his face. I mean, that's what it's all about is seeing someone's paradigm sort of being shifted in the moment. And um, that actually came through in the film, in another experiment. I don't want to, I don't want to cover all of them because I think the viewer definitely has to see these to believe them. But uh, the other one you've covered is something I've always wanted to personally do. And that's remote viewing. Yeah. That one really blew me away in the film as we chronologically followed this experiment. So yeah, could you maybe tell us a little about this experiment, who you did it with, and um, maybe if you want to give us some of the results or leave that up for the audience to see. It's up to you, Caroline. But yeah, this one really struck me.
3: Yeah, I love this experiment. So again, this is uh, remote viewing, which is, again, the technique that was used in the government. So, So because of that, I invited one of the teachers who were part of the government program, Paul H. Smith. And so we said, what can you do in the film that's quick and easy enough to demonstrate that this is real, that this works. So again, one of the guests in that particular segment, because we do have random people, but we also, like I said, we have some, some known folks. So Rachel is, um, is an actress, um, but also a motivational speaker. And so I asked her, do you want to do something like this? She said, I've never done this before. I said, but that's the point because we want it to be spontaneous. We want to show that this works or it doesn't. So she said, sure, uh, I would love to. So now we're filming in Southern Utah, okay? And we flew Rachel from Los Angeles the night before, like 11 p.m. or something. And the next day she was, on set, so she didn't have time. First of all, Utah and L.A. looks very, very different, and, yeah. right? And and so and she didn't have time to look around. Like she didn't. She just went straight from the hotel to the set, and so and in two hours, literally, Paul taught her how to do remote viewing, and we did what we call a outbinder experiment, where I would go with a crew member to a remote location and I would try to do things, you know, like touch something or smell something or, you know, and, and Rachel would try to figure out where I am and what I'm doing. And so because she had never been there before, so she had no frame of reference, like for her, we could have been at McDonald's for all she knows, you know? So, so, and so she follows the direction, you know, the way Paul taught her. And she nails it. I mean, she nails it. She knew exactly what I was touching, how it felt, what it looked like, all kinds of stuff, on and on and on. We're going to leave some surprises to to the folks who want to watch the film, but she nails it, right? And there's really evidence that she wasn't that it was real
2: yeah the viewers will have to see that one to believe it but i was i was sold right then and there carolyn um (laughs) another another aspect of the film i really like to touch on and this kind of gets into this idea of superhuman you know i grew up with comics the x-men these young children who were gifted with powers that society didn't understand so they they shunned them aside and um I found it interesting, sort of the parallels between that and these children in your film that were all part of a group. So could you tell us a little about um, who these children are, where you found them, and maybe a little about what they're doing?
3: Yeah. So as, as you were mentioning, what I wanted to do in the film was not just talk about, hey, your consciousness can do this, your mind can do this. Uh, positive thinking does that, intention does it. I mean, we've heard about all this. I wanted to show, I wanted very um, like visual and and like so real stuff that people would be convinced that that is happening. And so at one point I found those kids in England who were reading with blindfolds on. Mm -hmm. And of course the first reaction which I had and which most people will have uh it is okay, this can't be true. This is fake, there's their cheating, this is a magic trick, because it's so impossible, like when you think about it. And so, um, so I said, I'm going to investigate this because if this is true, then this is mind blowing. It means that you have the power to literally tell your brain to do what you wanted to do, because you're able to see, even without your eyes, you're able to do all these things. And so I was in Europe anyway, at that time. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even in pre-production. So, but I kind of, I knew I had to get those kids. And so I went and I filmed them and it was crazy, incredible. I mean, you could, and first of all, also people who are looking at this, they'll say, oh, they they knew what the book, the book they were reading, or they memorized it. No way. Because I would hold up something. They didn't know what I was going to show them. Um, I would write on a piece of paper, something, you know, and have them read it. They didn't know what I was going to do. And so, and every single time they knew exactly what it was, they would play ball they would run around completely blindfolded if you try this blindfold on it is so dark you cannot see anything yeah and so that totally blew my mind and i said we need to investigate more this whole field because if you can do this then you can train a blind person hello <laughs> you know or somebody who's got some serious uh, vision problems, and that's exactly what I did. I ended up finding other groups around the world: um, Russia, Romania, Utah, actually, um, you know, Mexico, Germany, all all kinds of groups. Now they all use different techniques, but they get to the same result, which is basically you bypass your visual system. You're literally reprogramming your consciousness to be able to see without your eyes. It's
2: so hard for us as humans because we're conditioned to think, you know, what we're visualizing in that moment is all there is. And that it's coming to us instead of us, you know, going to it, I think. So um, that whole concept of can we, think or manifest something into our own reality or our, you know, our subjective realities. It's fascinating. And like you mentioned, I mean, there's people in your film with conditions that, you know, they've had their whole lives that with just a little training in these things, were able to uh, change their lives dramatically. I mean, it's amazing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Because the film is not like you're saying about superheroes. That's not the point. The point is the other way around that we're so obsessed with superheroes. Um, you know, in film and sci-fi and stuff like that. But we have the impression that it's only certain people and it's outside of us. And what I was trying to do with the film is saying, no, 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 no. We have these superpowers. Here's this person. Look at this person. Look at that experiment. All everything that I've shown points to the fact that we have these abilities. And that's why we took a study case and we did it on camera in real time. And this person who had a very serious um, visual impairment going through the training and being able to see. Mm-hmm. So the, the takeaway is that we all of this is just to show you that you can do this so you can use it in your life to create whatever you want to create, create your reality. That's the idea.
1: Owls are somehow connected to UFOs. I don't say that lightly. After over a decade of obsessive investigation, I am convinced of this connection. As strange as it may seem, people are seeing owls in the highly charged moments of a UFO sighting and within the challenging memories of UFO abduction. This mystery has been the focus of my research. My name is Mike Cleland, and I have explored these connections in my book, The Messengers. At its core, this book is simply a collection of stories, and each is a remarkable real-life experience. The Messengers is also my own story of how owls played a role in my life.
0: Ready to pop the question?
1: life the messengers is the first in a trilogy of books all my books are available on amazon in paperback ebook and very soon as audiobooks
2: you know we could go through all of the experiments but i do want people to see the film to watch those play out because again i was very skeptical carolyn first going in but uh by the end i i I have to say that there is, this is real. This is real in every sense of the the word real. And um, I think through the people you've worked with and the studies they've done and just what played out on film, it's very hard to argue that. Um, so I guess sort of moving away from the experiments, why do you think it is that um, mainstream science isn't looking into these things? A lot of the the scientists and people in your film Extremely credentialed, very brilliant, but looking into very um, fringe topics, I guess, is a way to put it. Why does mainstream shy away from things like parapsychology and um, extrasensory perception or even UFOs? Is it is it a stigma or what? Yeah. What do you think?
3: I think it's programming. Our society, the human species is programmed to think small, to think limited. To think that only what you see exists, everything else is not real. There's that. There's also uh, the threat, you know, that, you know, here's, here are scientists who dedicate their whole life um, and have all these funds for research and grants to, to do, to study a certain discipline. And here you come and say, wait a minute, that's not everything that is, you know, that we can break these physical laws. And here's an example. So I think it's, they, they don't want to come out of their comfort zone. You know, I just, I just did an interview. We had a conversation with Travis Taylor, whom you know from aliens and from Skinwalker Ranch. And I love what he said. He said, there is no such a thing as fringe science. Science is supposed to be looking into phenomena that we don't understand. There, You're supposed to be pushing the envelope. Otherwise, you're just kind of settling. You're just repeating the history and, you know, just saying things that everybody knows already. And so I was, I mean, I love that he said that. And I so agree with it. So there are some scientists who are daring, you know, to to go beyond their comfort zone and look into these phenomena. And and like I said, we are, that's what my film demonstrates. There are real measurable effects that you can repeat over and over in controlled conditions. That's what the film shows. So when are they going to pay attention? I don't know. Uh, But in the meantime, I also think that this whole field is... uh, is based on empowering the individual. Because like, the, for example, like the uh, the experiment I did with the water, the pH of water. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't the first one, actually. William Tiller, a uh, physicist, he did this experiment with a group of people. They would focus on water and see if they could change the pH because we know higher pH is good for health. You know, viruses cannot survive an alkaline environment, so on and so forth. So we did this experiment in the film and I've done it many times and every time we have actual measurable effects. So for those who are listening who are skeptics, you know, we conduct, you saw that in the film, the experiment scientifically, meaning we create a baseline. So, you know, before we do an experiment, we measure, um, you know, the pH in the water, in this case, over and over and over, over a period of time. So we know this is the measurement. And then the minute that you focus on it, you want it to change, is when you see the jump. And then when you stop looking at it, it goes back to the baseline. So that's how we know that it is the effect of the influence of the person. It's not a random thing. So just Mm -hmm. as an FYI. And so that experiment shows that, wait a minute, if you can change the pH in water just by focusing on it, well, you're made of water. So you can literally change your chemistry. That's the implication. And if you train people to do that from a very young age, then, you know, think about the pharmaceutical industry, the drugs, the medicine, you know, you don't want people to self-heal. You don't want people to self-correct. You don't want people to self-maintain. You, you know, you you go out of business. I think there's a lot to do with that. Do you agree? Yeah,
2: there is a, um, it's almost stigma But it's masked in this idea of this will change everything. This will change our entire healthcare system. And what if it's weaponized too, Caroline? That's another big fear I have is, um, you say empowerment and yeah, I think person by person, we should be empowering them to find that potential to tap those parts of the brain that we've never really used before. But then I always, I always think of, you know, the antithesis of that is, what if the government who did projects on remote viewing what if um a certain military got a hold of these abilities were able to harness it and and train soldiers to do it so there's that whole sweeping conversation over that too so i don't know it's it's um but i do agree that yes if we were able to um like cure blindness if we were able to stop disease or virus before they even occurred a lot of people would be out on a lot of money.
3: Exactly, and and same with UFOs. I mean, the implication that there could be extraterrestrial intelligence right here is crazy threatening because yeah. that means that you don't go to the government for um, for guidance or for protection because there's something bigger <laughs> than yeah. that. So, so you know, it, it brings a lot of. Um, individual freedom and empowerment, and those in control don't like that. So I think that's what it's about as well.
2: If we were to find a crashed UFO, and let's say it ran on anti-gravity or free energy, and we're able to then implement that into our own world, I mean, there goes the entire oil industry. There goes fossil fuels. And again, it changes everything. So do we have that technology? Possibly. And maybe it's just being suppressed for those reasons. They don't want to shake things up. They don't want to change the world. They want things to stay as they are. And that's a big they, I think, that I'm saying, (laughs) hypothetically. Who they are, I don't know. But I think you're right. I think um, there are control systems set in place to kind of... um, stamp these things down but i can only imagine if every person out there was able to think into existence the things you talk about in the film um the world would change overnight
3: absolutely exactly and think about this like if you have an extraterrestrial person or a ufo or something like that that shows up and um and it's it's we let that happen the humans are going to and they they came here with free energy right through this very advanced technology who are the humans going to pay attention to they're going to all like want to know about that nobody's going to follow those old-fashioned worn out systems that are just run by greed and control you know so i think it would be a big mess um same with, same with the power of the mind. If I can shift the chemistry of my body to heal myself, if you can do that, if everybody can do that, if we can collectively also, it sounds very far-fetched, but it isn't. It has been demonstrated. If groups of people can focus their consciousness on water and purify the water that way, purify the food that way. I mean, Not only businesses will completely be obsolete, but it brings a level of confidence, level of freedom that I think, you know, again, governments, they (laughs) don't want us to have quite yet. And I think this is why I feel this film is very timely. First of all, because of the crazy situation we're in right now. Right. I mean, because you feel more and more limited, more stuck within a new reality that's imposed on you. but also I feel like this is the time to figure out what you can do for yourself to help yourself because you can't trust them. you can't trust this guy who's telling you you know what to do. you can't trust anybody. The media is a mess government officials are telling us this and this and that. So who are you gonna trust? you? And so this is the time to empower yourself any way you can. Strengthen your mind. Strengthen, just tap into, your mind is free, by the way. So why not just try, try to do these things. Try to heal yourself. If it doesn't work, you can always revert to the old systems. But (laughs) I think this is very timely.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like every day, personally, I'm feeling less and less in control of what's going on Hmm. around me. And it's, it's scary. You know, none of us saw this coming and then it just, boom, it happens. And we're learning that at least here in the United States, that we can't rely on our government. They've failed us at every corner. And, you know, I try not to get political or anything on the show, but it's clear and it's obvious that they weren't ready for this. The world wasn't ready for this. Some parts of the world are dealing with it better than others. And I do have to wonder, like you said, if we all had the potential and thought positively about how to be proactive and change things, what could happen? But instead, everyone's still bickering on if they should wear a mask or not, or if this should be done and this shouldn't be done. Um, So I do have to wonder, you know, if that collective consciousness came into play here, And we all were on the same page and working towards healing and rebuilding. uh, We'd all be better off, but we're all, you know, I I shouldn't say all of us. A lot of people are trying to make change and do positive things right now. But um, I can't imagine the potential if everyone was able to do that all at once or, or gradually even. And they never said healing has to be a quick process.
3: Yeah, but, but you're absolutely right, actually. Uh, there are some studies done with the collective consciousness as well, with Dean Radin, actually, the uh, random number generator. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that experiment, but it's still running, by the way, what, that collectively, we are able to sense things and also influence things. We know that's the power of prayer, when groups of people are praying for certain things, you know, the outcome happens. I mean, all of these phenomena have been studied. So what if we would now just at least give it a try and focus collectively on uh, eradicating the virus? Maybe uh, that would be one thing to do for sure, but at least maybe bring up um, Healing, generate more healing within the individual bodies and also collectively. And also find ways uh, to get out of the situation the way we see aligned. You can still create the outcome that you want, even though we're bombarded with all this outside stuff that is trying to tell us what we should be doing and choosing, you know? I think that's that's what I'm hoping for with this film is for people to just not worry about it and just start very small. Okay, like you're at home, you're frustrated, you're angry. Um, you know, some people lost their job. You know, everybody's affected differently. Uh, you're not feeling well, so instead of going into panic, why don't we try use the mind? You know, we showed it in the film maybe change the chemistry of your body. Let's say you're trying to create a new job or a new career. Well, maybe what's happening right now is for you to reassess the type of job that you should be getting. You know, like everything starts with the mind. It's from the mind out as opposed to not the physical world telling us how we should be feeling. It's the other way around. And so I'm hoping that's what the film... Will awaken in people you know that ability and that trust. why not even give it a chance and try it?
2: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I mean we're at a point where we need to try any and everything, and um I guess you kind of answered my next question is um what's the number one thing you hope people will take away from the film and um are there any tips, Caroline, you can give to people out there of who they can reach out to to kind of um empower them or help them along the way? Because I wouldn't even know where to begin other than, you know, move that pencil on the table and keep telling (laughs) myself that. But yeah, are there, is there anywhere people can go to sort of train themselves to do these sorts of things?
3: Yeah, actually, what was happening, Ryan, is when we were filming, uh, because we were inviting people who'd never done anything before, and in two hours, we would te- teach them how to move an object, you know, move, rotate a piece of paper, and they would do it. So, and don't forget, we have cameras, we have cables, we have electricity, electromagnetic, you know, not the best, you know, a condition to do yeah. something where you're trying to focus, especially if you've never done it before. And even under these conditions, the girl or whoever the guest was, they were able to do it, make it happen. So as we were filming, you know, at the end of the scene, for example, the crew would be like, how did she do that? I mean, because it's real, like we're not faking, we're not cutting, we're not. And so the reaction would be, can I try it? I want to do this. How did she do know. And that's exactly the reaction that I'm hoping for, that when people see that somebody just walked in, learned remote viewing, learned telekinesis in two hours, and were able to have those types of results, that they would be like, "I want to try this," you know. And because of that, so there are already people teaching, but I already have classes lined up on the same website. So if people want to really, you know, go into it and study it, so. It's available, so just go to the website and do that. And if you want to just play with it yourself, you can also do that. So Mm -hmm. there's blindfold classes for kids and for adults for those who want to try. Um, There's telekinesis, there's remote viewing, and then there are meditation techniques because you know a lot of people do meditation, but all kinds of meditations um, out there aren't don't really do the exact same thing. So the fact that you meditate doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do telekinesis. So telekinesis requires not just the quieting and the relaxation, but you have to kind of know how to focus, you know, how to focus so specifically on the object um, and make it do something. And there's this whole dynamics and exchange uh, that happens. So all of this is trainable. And that's the meditation technique also. It's all on the website. And um, so I'm hoping people would want to do that or at least just try it out on their own.
2: Absolutely. What is that website, Caroline, if you wouldn't mind sharing?
3: Yes, absolutely. It's the superhumanfilm.com. They can, uh, if they go to superhumanfilm.com, they will see all the platforms where it's being, they can rent it or buy it. Um, And then, um and then workshops, they can click on workshops and see all the workshops that we have done already. And the ones that are coming up. And I also have, uh, my YouTube channel has a ton of free. Exercises and training. So for people who don't want to like just jump in and just want to have an idea, um they can try some of these uh, meditations and you know, uh, just to kind of get a sense of what it's like to quiet to this point and just kind of move things around uh, energetically. Um, so they can do that if they don't want to just, but but those, but a lot of people, actually, I have to say some classes are already full because a lot of people are really wanting to explore those abilities cuz deep inside they know they can.
2: Yeah, I'm so, I'm feeling it right now. I <laughs> I know after we um we wrap up this interview I've, I I wanna, I want to I want to try it. But um no, I I've been following your Facebook page too where you do these these sessions almost every day with individuals from all over the world. And I think that's so cool that you're willing to Take the time to do that and to show people that anyone can do this. And I think that's what was the most important thing I learned from your film is it's not you're not born with it. You're special, but you're not unique in the terms of this person has this ability like anyone can tap into it. And uh, I think if more people realized that and understood that, like what their potential could be, uh, like you said, we'd be in a much better
3: place. For sure, for for yourself, your own life, and for others around you, because you now you can share this. Like you were saying, first of all, you'll be my guest. I'm going to offer you the class uh, that's on my website. So I'll send that to you. I know you like it. Yeah, you said, do you like remote viewing? We already did a class. So I'll send you that class. Yeah. And so that's what I've been also doing during these weird times is uh, I'm doing it live because I have so many requests for private sessions and there's so much I can do between the film and everything else. And so at least um, once a week, we're doing these sessions live where we bring whatever issue someone's going through and I just walk them through something. It's totally free. So people should really take advantage of that. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the topics are so timely. Like yeah you know, I'm struggling with this. I mean, who's not struggling with depression? Who's not struggling with anxiety? Hello. I mean, who's not struggling, you know, with this whole material abundance thing with what's happening right now. So these are very timely and relatable subjects and people can just, uh, you know, just listen and hopefully be helped as well.
2: That's awesome, Caroline. Well, I will say this, you know, as someone who came into your film, very skeptical, not because I didn't believe, but I think it was a fear, a fear of the unknown and not knowing that people were capable of doing these things. Um, I came out on the other side, extremely open-minded and ready. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to get ready to remote view, but I do have to ask one last time, Caroline, where can we find the film and everything you're up to?
3: Yes. So again, the best way is just to go to superhumanfilm.com. Uh, they will find where to rent the film, where to buy it, and also the workshops. And if there's any special requests, so for example, like we were talking about blind people, visually impaired, or any special needs, people can email us there or you know, sign up for updates. I think that's the best place. Now, if people want to look into more healing and consciousness, work, like um, more tapping into other intelligences or the guidance system, you know, when you receive a download, like where did it come from and how does it work? That sort of thing. Then they can go to carolinecorey.com as well.
2: Perfect. Perfect. Highly suggest everyone go check it out right now.
3: And you know what? I love that you said you came in as a skeptic. I want that because most people are. Or they just aren't familiar with the subject. And at least you were, you just, I mean, allowed yourself to be open and yeah. uh, not to kind of be biased one way or another. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And I'm so glad that at least you wanna try remote viewing.
2: <laughs> I am all in.
3: I want you to. And I wanna see how, I think you're gonna be awesome.
2: Caroline, I have to thank you so much for uh, coming on Somewhere in the Skies today. And yeah, let's change the world.
3: I appreciate it. It was awesome. Thanks, Ryan.
2: That's it for this week's episode. Please do me a huge favor and consider leaving a rating and review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, your Android apps, or if possible, wherever you get the show. It helps us gain visibility and find new listeners. Thank you in advance. Be sure to check out our exclusive Somewhere in the Skies merch. And help support the show in style. Many different designs and items are now available. Head on over to teepublic.com. That's t e e public.com, and just search for the Summer in the Skies store. You can follow us on Twitter at Summer Skies and Instagram at Summer Skies Pod. If you have a personal UFO, UAP, or unexplained story you'd like to share on the podcast or to reach out to me personally for suggestions on future guests and topics, use the contact tab on the official website somewhereintheskies.com My special thanks goes out to the E1 Podcast Network KGRA Radio and especially to you for listening I'll see you here next week and remember, keep your feet on the ground but never stop searching Somewhere in the Skies
0: Skies is produced by third kind productions in association with the entertainment one podcast network a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times